Today I will believe and confess that Jesus Christ was wounded for my transgressions. He was bruised for my iniquities. The chastisement of my peace was upon him. And by Jesus' stripes, I am healed. Amen, amen. Well, this morning, um, our message, I will get into it, but I want to try to slow down a little bit. I think sometimes I go a little bit faster than I probably should, which reminds me uh, of a time when I was a, a kid. I was probably about 10 or 11 years old, and we had just gotten home from church, and uh, we were all sat down. My mom cooked a wonderful meal, had some spaghettis and meatballs, and I'm a cornbread lover. So she made some cornbread. We had punch and all that stuff. And so, you know, we said blessing and we dug in and we started eating. And my dad would always tell me, hey, man, you need to slow down. You eat too fast. Yes, sir. So I was the first one to finish eating. I was just tearing it up because I love spaghetti. I like Italian food. I don't know how Italian that was that my mom made, but it was good. And so I'm eating my spaghettis and meatballs and my cornbread, and I love the punch that she made. And then all of a sudden, after I finished eating, I had the worst stomach ache ever, like really, really bad. So I go to the back, and I realize my dad had told me, man, you need to slow down eating. So I didn't want to say anything. But it was so bad, I went to my mom. Of course, I didn't go to my dad. Went to my mom, and I said, Mama, my stomach's hurting. She was like, what's wrong? Uh, I don't know. So she tells me, well, lay down or go to, I'm like, I can't. I'm, it's hurting so bad. So she goes in. Thankfully, I didn't have to go in and tell my dad, look, his stomach hurting. You need to bring him to the hospital. So my dad wasn't too excited about that. It was, I had three brothers, and I have a nephew that lived with us. And so he wasn't really excited about that, uh, especially after he had told me to slow down eating. So, of course, he would put together that my eating real fast is what caused the stomach ache. So I was, so next thing I know, we're going to the hospital, okay? So my brothers and I, we would always joke about my dad that when he got mad, we would say he had the sun in his eyes because he'd do like this, like the sun was in his eyes. And man, he got the sun in his eyes, so you know don't mess with him, he's mad. So my dad drove all the way to the hospital with the sun in his eyes. He was mad because he's bringing me here. So we get to the hospital, bring me in the emergency room. I didn't wait too long in, in, in that day, and so I went to the back. And so I get back there, and the doctor starts asking me all these questions. He's like, where does it hurt? And, you know, what caused it? And this and that. And by this time, all the pain went away. So you would think my dad would be pretty excited. He wasn't. The sun even, was even worse in his eyes. So he was really mad because he's got this bill now for this guy that I had to bring to the doctor that was eating too fast and no stomach pain. And I mean, after that, just nothing. So I'm going to try to slow down a little bit uh, when we're doing this. But that was the story of my life, and we still laugh about that. I don't know how much he laughs, but my brothers and I, we laugh about it. So I'm going to try to slow down just a little bit message. So the topic of this message is know your worth. Know your worth. And so as a Christian or in the life of the believer, it's not about what you do or what you are doing. It's not about what you do. Let me say that again. In the Christian life or in the life of a believer, it is not about what you are doing. So if I read my Bible every day, if I pray every day, if that alone is my view of my relationship with God, then we have something wrong. I have something wrong. It's something's backwards there. So some of y'all may say, because I've said up here many, many times, you, know, you need to read your Bible. You need, to, you need to spend time with God. You need to pray. And, you know, God will take care of things. And yeah, that's true. Yes, we should pray. Yes, we should read our Bible. 
However, if reading our word and praying and coming to church and doing our Christian chores and uh, getting on prayer lines or prayer calls and singing in the choir, sorry, Brother Gary, not, not to put anything on you and Sister Kayla, but if singing in the choir is what we exercise as being a Christian um, or, my bad, as a believer, because, you know, you don't say Christian anymore. You don't want to put your stuff out there. Uh, you still should, I think. But if that's what our view of being a Christian is, then we obviously do not know our worth. And also, it's not going to get us to where we think we want to be. And the reason I say that is because many times we can lull ourselves into a, uh, into a way where we get up, we say our prayers, we read our word, and hey, I've done my Christian thing for the day. I'm done. I've got it over with. But it's more to it than that. It's much more to it than that. And we have to know our worth because it's more to just reading and, um, and, and praying. Now, that sounds redundant, I, I, I say. You know, Brother Chris has said, hey, read and pray, read and pray. That's great. But there's more to it. Now, those are good things. We should continue, definitely, to read and to pray. We should continue to work around the church. We should continue to speak of God when we're, when we're out and all of those things, but those things in and of themselves are not our worth. Now, they do come from somewhere, and I think this gives us um, a little bit more about what our worth and our value is. So our prayers without thoughts and reading without understanding, again, as I said, can become something that is not good for us in the sense of fully understanding what God wants for us. So we have to be careful because those types of things smack of just legalism or uh, a sort of spiritual redundance uh, discipline that we do. We just get up and we go through these rituals. So we don't want to be like that. We don't want to be just ritualistic. We, we really want to be led by something. We don't want to be like uh, Julie Garland in... Uh, the Wizard of Oz, where we're just following the yellow brick road. And the yellow brick road is get up, read, pray. Get up, read, pray. Get up, read, pray. And that prayer doesn't have any thought behind it. Those prayers must have some thought behind it. Now, um, we don't say it, but many of us do it. I know for a long time, I did it. I'd get up, I'd say my prayer, I'd read my Bible, I wouldn't remember a word that I read, and I got up about my day and I felt good about it. You know, because I, I, I did it. I read, and, and I prayed, and I did what my mom told me to do. You know, you get up and you pray. That's what you do. That's what Christians do. Yeah, we should, but again, there's more to it. So, the Christian's value or worth is found in not what we do, but in what we think. Say it again. The Christian's value our worth is found not in what we do, but in what we think. Our thinking must be derived from sound doctrine so that we are not tossed to and fro by the winds of life and new age thinking and new and improved ways of doing things. New and improved ways of doing things are great, but you know, the Bible tells us that there's nothing new under the sun, really. You know, everything that we're doing now, you know, we, we may be able to do it faster or we may have a machine that we can input it in or talk to the machine or see people on the machine and talk to the machine. But there's nothing new under the sun. So we have to make certain that as we read and what we read, we understand and that we're guided by, um, by sound doctrine. The reason that our thinking is critical is because we act based on those thoughts. So the things that we think, we act on those. So whatever job you're on, there was some thought that went behind that process. Whatever school you went to, 
there was probably some thought behind that process. Now, some people probably just, you know, may have just fallen into something or, you know, they were led and may not have had to do a ton of thinking, but there was a process there. But most of us, we, we kind of think and say, oh, okay, this is better than that, or maybe this is better than that, but I may need to take a little time to, and do this before I go through this because I'm not ready for that. So there should be some process, some thinking that we go through. We see in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 14 through 15, if you go there, we see Paul speaking here to the, uh, to the Ephesians. When you get it, say amen. I don't want to leave anybody behind. And if not, it's uh, on the, on the uh, monitor. Ephesians 4, 14 through 15 says, that we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro, and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. So we see that Paul is telling them that you got to be grounded in something, that, because if not, you, you, you'll go for anything. There's all kinds of information out there, people talking about what they believe, and I'm talking more so in the house. Let, let, let's talk about the body of Christ, all sorts of thinking. It's incumbent upon me, it's incumbent upon everybody out here, everybody that's listening, to seek God, to think in accordance with what the Word of God says, because each of us can look at a scripture and, and uh, come up with some different thoughts about it. The one thing as Christians, because we are not monolithic, we're not like just all the same, but there's one thing that we must be monolithic on, and that's the life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's, we can't stray from that. That's the one thing that we have to know that that's where our worth is. There's some other things that, you know, should you eat meat and do the, you know, okay, that's fine if that's what, you, what we want to go through. But overall, that basic fact is the one thing that we have to be monolithic on if we consider ourselves to be Christians. Any variation from that, uh, you know, I don't know if that's where we want to be. We need to know that our worth is built up in the works of what Jesus Christ did. Now, in verse 15 of that, that scripture, it says, but speaking the truth in love, they grow up into him and all things which is, I'm sorry, let me back up a little bit here. Yes, it says, but speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is head, even Christ. Now, it talks about love. Now, one of the issues as I examine myself over the years and in dealing with some of my friends, especially once I got saved or, or uh, experienced the Lord for myself, you know, not what my parents told me, not what my pastor told me, not what the old saints that were in Sunday school with me told me, but when I went and became skeptical and started learning more and more about Jesus Christ and learning more and more about what I believe so that I can start thinking this thing through. The one thing that I understood was that during that time when I first started going to people and telling them about Jesus was that I wasn't doing it the right way. There was... You know, there's, there's a saying here that uh, speaking truth without love is condemnation. And I probably wasn't doing it in love as I should have been. I didn't understand it at that time. I just felt like, hey, you know, I'm like uh, a, a bulldozer. You're just pushing people over and you're telling them about you. You need to get Jesus. You need to do this. And you need, well, hold on. Again, I, I think I mentioned it the other day. We're supposed to be fishers of men. We're supposed to cast bait out and you snap on the bait, and people are supposed to be drawn towards. We're supposed to be light, and we usually associate light with being a good thing. You know, it helps us to see. Um, we use light for many things. It's on our cars. You know, you can't drive around at nighttime without those, even though some people do. Uh, if you got a headlight out, you might want to go get it fixed. But light is a good thing. We view darkness as one of those things that's probably not so good. We, we view darkness as something that's... Uh, 
That's not, that can be detrimental to us. But when we, when, if we are light, then we are forcing darkness to the side, but there's a way to do that. It's in love. Again, as Christians, it is our job to herald the truth, to tell the truth. It's not our job, you know, there's a saying that the 11th commandment is be nice. We're not commanded to be nice. It's nice to be nice if you can, but we have to speak the truth in love, and there comes a certain level of wisdom that we have to have, a certain level of thinking, as the Bible will tell us and as we'll see in just a bit, that we have to have in order to convey the message that Jesus Christ wants us to have and to build those relationships so that we can deal with people where they are, okay? So we have to know uh, what our worth is. We have to study. We have to do it in love, and we can't be so harsh in dealing with people. So anybody that may be listening now that's a new convert or you're on fire for Christ, that's great. But don't do like Brother Chris. Don't hammer the people down. Don't beat them down with Jesus Christ so much. Build some relationship with those folks. You have to tell them. You can't be afraid. And that's a good thing if you're not afraid. I wasn't afraid to go talk to people about what I believe. However, I know that I drove some people to a point where it was like, man, I don't want to hear he come again. I'm about to talk about Jesus. I'm about to talk about Jesus. Well, yeah, I am. But what I should have been doing was packaging that in a way, not to diminish the cross, not to diminish the things that I believe, because I truly believe what I believe, but to recognize that in talking to people, there's a way that you manage that. You, you, you can't, you, you have to do it, you have to make it bait, you have to make it sweet, you know, uh, fish like shrimp, you gotta make it like shrimp, we like shrimp, you gotta make it like shrimp to us, it has to be something that they want. So I know that now when I do that, I try to go through a series of questions or in relationship that draws them in, makes it easier to get them to the boat and, and reel them in. But So we want to speak truth and love, okay? So God tells us something here concerning our worth. He tells us something about ourselves in this next scripture. So if you would, let's go to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, and we'll start at verse 3. Romans chapter 12, verse 3. When you get there, say amen. And when I get there, I'm going to say amen. because I didn't. Romans chapter 12, verse 3. You guys there? Not yet? I'm almost there. I'm there. Okay. She has it up here. So I'm just going to start at verse 1. So we'll go... Uh, Romans chapter 12, verse uh, 1 through 5. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, and beseech just means that I urge you strongly. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. So let me stop right there. Um, and I, I may be just a little bit out, but I think it'll make sense. So he's saying that he urges us by the mercies of God that we present our bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is our reasonable service. I've, I've spoken to some people probably within the last couple months, and we've had conversations about kind of what they do and what their worth is concerning the kingdom of God. And I was astounded, and these are people that have been walking for a while, that they weren't nearly as mature as I thought. And to them, that, you know, the fact that they do stuff around the church and they do stuff with people and they do good was kind of like, you know, if you listen to them talk, now maybe they, their heart may have been somewhere else and what was coming out of their mouth may have been different. But it came across as though they were like, well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in there, you know, I'm, I'm saved because of this. And that's not what that is. It's our reasonable Sacrifice. It's our reasonable service to sacrifice the life that we have because of what Christ did. And that may mean sacrificing some of the things that we may want to do. It doesn't mean sacrificing everything because there's freedom in this walk that we're in. However, we have to be careful because there are many out there that are trying to deceive, as we just read. You know, there are many 
who are trying to draw us away with, with cunning craftiness, with deceptiveness. So we have to guard what it is that we believe and know about Christ, because if we don't, there, there are plenty, quote unquote, gospel ministers, basically wolves in sheep clothing that are out there to sell you something to either get your money, that even if they're not trying to purposely to get you off, that because that's the adversary's plan. That's what he uses, cunningness, craftiness, deceitful people to draw you away. So we have to be rooted in sound doctrine, but it's our reasonable service to, to take the time to learn this doctrine so that we don't go astray. We, we have to stay on course. Verse 2. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may approve, that, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say, through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, so we, being many, are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another. Okay? I want to kind of go in uh, and talk a little bit about this here in verse 3. God has given us, uh, has given us a grace. He's given us grace. And he's given this to everyone that is in here that is believing upon Jesus Christ to accept him and to walk this thing out. But again, as I said, we have to be thinking people. If we read a little further, it says, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. So we shouldn't think of ourselves more highly than we ought to think. And then he tells us again to think. So we see the word think three times, but to think soberly according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. So here we see that God wants us to be thinking people. That's the only way our minds can be trans transformed. So what are we thinking on? We're thinking on the word. We're thinking on what Jesus Christ did for us. If we're praying and we're not thinking, if we're just saying the Lord's Prayer over and over, or you say the same prayer every morning and get up, that's monotonous. You don't say that to your loved one. You may get up in the morning, you may say, good morning, babe, uh, how you doing? But you don't get up and say the same thing over and over to a person each morning and expect them to be excited about that because that doesn't take much thinking. So we have to, we have to be thinking about what we're doing, okay? So as we, as we think through those things, the Bible also, so I'll back up again. It says, think of him, where it says, we should not think of ourselves more highly than we ought to think. Now, there's a lot, I think, that there's a lot that's packed into that, not thinking more highly than we ought to think. If we notice, I don't think there's any scripture in here that tells us we should think more lowly of ourselves than we ought to think. Because most of us tend to think we're okay. Most people think, you know, if, if we're walking through, you know, we, we tend to think, well, I'm, I'm okay. Now, and many, depending on what we've done, may think, man, I'm pretty good. And some may think, and not anybody in here, but some may think, man, I'm all that. Now, it doesn't tell us, the Bible doesn't tell us that we shouldn't think of ourselves. We, we should consider ourselves. And in, in one place, it tells us that, you know, we, we, we kind of care for ourselves. So we should think okay about ourselves. However, to think more highly than ourselves and to not be sober, to be drunk in our thinking, is not, to be, is not a good thing thing for us to think of ourselves, because when we do that, we introduce some things that are not, that just are not good. So when we, when we think on different things, there's, think about ourselves, there's a way that we should think about ourselves. There's an earthly way, and then there's also, I believe, a heavenly way. Now, if you've accomplished a ton in life, then I guess you have a little bit more that you can think of yourself. If you haven't, then you should think at that level. I'm not going to say you shouldn't think okay of yourself, but to think more highly than yourself causes you to go into an area where 
it's just not good and it brings some stuff up that can really put us under. So it's usually the person that has accomplished much more that has this problem because he has many things that he can call out. I've done this, I've done this, I've done that, and I know this one, and I've done this with that one, and so on. And so God is telling us here, don't think more highly of yourself than you ought to. There's a way that I have for you that will keep you if you, if you stay in there and do things in a manner that we should. We must keep doctrine in front of us, what we read, the Bible, so that it keeps us in the place and in the thinking that we should be. Now, in our thinking, doctrine is important because of a number of things. There are a lot of things that the world has put out there that is attacking the church, and many are falling to it, deceitfulness. And some of this stuff isn't even in the church. It's just an accumulation of things that our culture has brought that in the past we just didn't deal with as much. So a lot of, lot of things that we, that we have to stay concerned about and that we have to know our position on is, one, how we parent our children, our leisure life, the things that we do you know, on your vacation or events that you attend. We have to be cautious of those things. We want, to fear, we want to flee the appearance of evil. Marriage, just the culture in general, things that we, that we decide to do or not to do, all of those are things that, again, our doctrine should guide based on our thinking. It really should. It, it should dictate where we go. It should dictate how we raise our children. I'm not going to go into specifics on all of those things because everybody... You know, I believe uh, should be able to read this Bible, and if you don't, you should be able to find somebody that can help you to read it, or you can get audio tape, and you can look at this, and you can understand exactly what God is telling us to do. Some of the things that I, I've talked to people about in the past was just, it really was, and not to say it insultingly, but it was totally against what the Word of God said. It was stupid. It's really what it was. It was stupid, and I'm, I'm thinking right now of a time I was talking to someone about parenting their children, and they told me, oh, no, I don't have to whip my children. I don't have to deal with my children. I don't need to put a hand on my children. Now, that may be true for a few. I'm sure there are some angels out there that, you know, just never have to touch them because everybody's child is good, and, you know, they're not going to do this, or they're not going to do that. And, uh, but there's some things that, and if, if, if a person believes that I don't have to do what the word says, that's on them. But there are certain things that if you don't do, you should expect a certain consequence from that. And some things, as I say, are just don't make sense. They're just stupid. But we're going to stick to not stupid, and we're going to stay on this doctrine here, okay? So the earthly things that we're talking about as far as where we should be, jobs and things of that nature, but heavenly God doesn't look at those things. He's not looking at your job. Does he want us to accomplish things? I believe so. However, he wants us to be, again, sober in our thinking, that as we think on ourselves, that we do not look and say, well, God is more pleased with me for doing what I've done than another person who, has, may, not have, may, who may not have accomplished as much. It's important to our salvation. It's important to our walk. It's important to those that are around us. It's important to our families that we make certain that we stay the course so that we're not drawing people off or that we're not turning people away from the faith because of our actions and because of things that we say and do. So when we don't realize the truth of our worth, the one thing that slips in is pride. Let's go to Proverbs chapter 16, verse 18. We'll go there quickly. I'll give you just a second. And we're going to talk about this pride thing as it pertains to our work. Okay, I'm just going to go ahead and read. It says, pride goeth before destruction, and the haughty spirit before a fall. Pride goeth before destruction, and a haughty spirit before a fall. Pride. That's what comes as a result of us thinking more highly than we are. Now, yes, we should think. We should think on the doctrine that we have. It should guide our life. 
But when we overthink, when we think too highly of ourselves, the thing that creeps in is pride. Our thinking, again, our thinking, um, excuse me. So pride in our life, it brings about a number of things. Pride in our riches, pride in power, pride in our human accomplishments, pride in wisdom, our beauty, our fame, which everybody wants, our knowledge, well, maybe not everybody, but a lot, pride in our knowledge. All of those things results in self-righteousness. It results in self-deception. It results in self-elevation. It results in ingratitude and unteachability, which we are seeing more and more and more of. It results in rebellion towards authority. It results in stubbornness, and on and on and on. We're at a point now where, as I deal with um, some of my own workers and I deal with others and when we're doing trainings, that you can have what we call a planogram. So in our planogram, we basically have where the person is working and then there's a picture of where everything goes, okay? So either myself or I'll have someone to go and set the place that they're working based on the planogram. So this is the planogram. This is how it's supposed to be because we have multiple locations, we have different employees, we want them all to be in a place where when they go to, a, so if they're at, plan, at location A, and we ask them to go to location E, they can go there and they can just start working, right? Making sense? Yeah? Okay, makes sense to me too. So, it's always interesting when we're speaking about this unteachability and uh, just rebellion towards authority, that when we tell folk, hey, this is how this goes. It's already set up for you. There's always a million excuses as to why they got to change things around. And then when things go haywire, the only thing, the word is, oh. Not I'm sorry. Oh. I get so sick of oh, I want to take it out of the alphabet. Oh. Oh. No. I'm not going to get myself worked up behind that. Oh, we tell you the same thing over and over. Leave everything like it is, but they think more highly of themselves than they ought, and they do things the way they want to do it. Why? Because of pride, because they think more highly of themselves than they ought. Whatever it is that they feel that they are or that you're not, because you don't know what you're talking about, that's stupid anyway. Anybody that's in authority is stupid, and it's just stupid. So I'm going to do this the way I want to do it. And then have the nerve to get upset with authority when authority comes and say, hey, that's not, and you can say it as nice, you can be as pleasant, you can smile. Hey, look, you know, we have this little planogram thing here. See? Would you be okay with just leaving this like this? And they go, but then if you come, hey man, I told you to leave this like that. Oh man, he's he just on that stuff, man. There's something wrong with him. He's crazy. And then they walk off. So, you know, if, you, if you're in business, you're like, well, I might as well keep who I have because I'm going to have to go through the same thing again. Now, that's not true in every situation. There are some situations where, you know, people have some understanding, and, and I thank God for the good folk that we have around us that don't do that. But there's plenty, many, that they're just not, they're not going to, they're just not. No matter how nice, no matter how harsh, no matter what you say, because of pride. Because that's, and, and they don't know it's pride. They don't, they will never say it's pride. They'll say that it's just stupid. It don't make sense. And all of the stupid rules that, all of the stupid rules that I believed were stupid, they came from somewhere. Because somebody did something they wasn't supposed to do. Rebellion to authority. But we have to know our value. The, again, our thinking and understanding and knowing that we're not more, that, you know, and, and you don't even have to really like a person. So if we understand and think, and know that our worth comes in not being prideful. Even people that we don't like, and I know, I, I can think of a few people that are in this room right now that have dealt with folk that they just didn't necessarily like, and I, I, 
of course, I'm not going to say any names of anybody in any way, shape, form, or fashion, but they did what they were supposed to do and did it with excellence. That's what we are as Christians. That's what foul and sound doctrine is. Love thy enemy. So <laughs> boss may be an enemy. Love your enemy and do what you're supposed to do. God, there's rewards that are being stored up for us when we do those things. It, it's hard. I'm not going to sit here and say, man, it's just easy. I, I didn't been under that fire. I didn't been under somebody's foot where it felt like they were doing that to me all day. That's not fun. But ultimately, you have to take that step back and recognize it's all pride. It's just pride. Pray for your enemy and move on. Now, I know that's not popular. Folk listening online, it's not popular. Nobody want to pray for the enemy. That's just not what we want to do. But we have to because we have to move forward and recognize that we have a worth. We have a value out here in this society and in this culture that we live in. God wants God wants to impact our thinking. He wants to impact our thinking. Let's go to Galatians chapter 6, verse 3 through 5. Galatians 6, 3 through 5. God wants to impact our thinking. So I'm going to go ahead and read it in Galatians chapter 6, verse 3 through 5. For if a man think himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. But let every man prove his own work, and then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone, and not in another. For every man shall bear his own burden. A simple scripture there. It's real simple. If a man think himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. I, I don't even know if I can explain more on that. If you think, if you think you're something... And you're not, you're deceived. If you think you're something and you're not, you're deceived. So examine yourself. Think about what you are. Think about what you aren't. I have brothers, and I always look at their talents. Uh, one of, a couple of my brothers, they're always saying, man, I know what I'm not good at. So when you start saying that to yourself, you're, you're crossing that line now. You're, you're coming out of pride, and you understand it, that there's just certain things that we're all not good at. Many of us are great at many things. Many of us may not be. But that's no reason to get down on yourself, nor is it a reason to get too high on yourself. I'm really good at all this. Well, that's great. But there's some that aren't. So there's a way that you should behave. And the one that's good at the one thing, you know, you shouldn't be out bragging to the world about the one thing that you're great at. There's a, there's a medium that God wants us to walk in. Let's not deceive ourselves because we all need other things. We all need other people. We all need to make certain that we know what our strengths and our weaknesses are. And then once we are able to do those things, God is able to deal with us and move us along into, into some other things that, that, uh, that can definitely help us. There's one thing that I'll say here in this whole deception thing, that ignorance and arrogance are in bed together. Yeah, they booed up ignorance, arrogance. But it is ignorance and arrogance. It's just not a good thing. Usually pride is right around the corner. It's in the other room. But it's ignorance and arrogance. Pride is probably right there in the other room because there's going to be a lot of things that you say and that you do that are going to take you down a very, very destructive path that's just not good. And many times when we hit that, when that, when that pride goes before destruction, you, it, it's the thing that takes down everything. It's, it's the thing in our culture right now that has everybody in odds against each other, that have people like myself up here talking, you know, you're kind of like, well, I don't want to say this, but I don't want to say that. But we have to say it. We have to. We're heralds of the truth. We're the light. We push the darkness back. God wants us thinking. He wants us rooted on sound doctrine. Now, we have to be wise. You know, the Bible says that we should be as harmless as a dove, but as wise as a serpent. We have to, we have to know how to put everything. But again, we, we, we always have to be thinking, and we have to keep pride out of our life because it's the thing that takes us down. 
and it's the thing that can destroy our value and our worth. Again, our thinking has to be grounded in sound doctrine. Our worth is summed up in this. If you've listened to me, I'm going to read this, but our worth is summed up in this. It says, God wants us to think and view ourselves as God views us. In doing so, we realize that we contribute nothing to our salvation except the sin that nailed Jesus Christ on the cross. I'll repeat it. It says, as we sum up our worth, God wants us to think and view ourselves as God views us. In doing so, we realize that we contribute nothing to our salvation except the sin that nailed Jesus to the cross. Now, that right there is the hit. That's the hit, guys. You can't, if you fully understand that, you can't live or walk around in pride. You just can't do it because you recognize that basically we ain't nothing anyway without Jesus. Now, yes, there are things that we have to do. True. I, you know, I talked about praying and reading. Out. Those are things, if we consider ourselves believers, because of what I just said, God wants us to think and view ourselves as God views us in doing so, we realize that nothing to our salvation, that we contribute nothing to our salvation except the sin that nailed Jesus to the cross. If we realize that, man, we're going to be on our knees and we're going to be reading several times a day if we really understand that. Even when we're tired and dragging in the bed, you're going to try to crack something open and listen to it or play something and listen to it because we recognize that we're nothing without him. We're not. What I found so interesting this morning, I was up and the sun was coming up and I was in my room and uh, I was a little drowsy because it still wasn't fully bright. And so I opened my windows. I said, man, I need some light in here. And so I sat, and I was doing some stuff, and I sat in the room, and the, the light, the sunlight was basically coming in based on the way our room was faced. And I saw something really interesting because it was cool outside because I just planted some trees outside and I needed to water them, so I turned the sprinkler on so it could water because I'm lazy. I'm not going to stand there and just water. And so as I was sitting there, I just saw a vapor come up. And that scripture came to my mind that, you know, our life is but a vapor. None of us are going to be here forever. It, it's, you know, it's short. It really is. And the older I get, every year that goes on, I realize that it is. You know, we, we just did the dedication for Brother Brian, and we think of others. But, you know, we're, we're not, and I'm saying this to say, and as I thought about it at that time, and I thought about him and, and others, but... The interesting thing is that we recognize that we only have a short window to affect this earth that we're on. Only a short time. It's not a long time. Only a short time to affect this earth that we're on. Now, what do I mean affect the earth? I'm not doing some liberal speak about, you know, we've got to use our voice to do this and all that. We do have to use our voice to proclaim and herald the gospel of Jesus Christ. We should at every chance that we get. But not just in that, in our thinking, in what we do when we're out on our job, what we do when we're in public, all of those things. We only have a short time. And as I thought about it, I, I was like, okay, Lord, I see the vapors. I understand. I don't have a lot of time here. And I want to keep my thoughts your thoughts. And as I was looking at this text here, I was thinking also that, I need to be able to think deeper on the things of God. And by doing so, it keeps and it pushes pride out of your heart because it, all, it wells up on all of us. It does. It, it wells up on all of us. But the more we, we delve into the scripture, the more we pray, because we recognize and we understand that we don't contribute nothing to our salvation. We ain't do nothing but sin. That's it. That's what we did until God made us realize that he wiped them scales off, off of our eyes and helped us to see that, man, the only reason you're serving me is because I allowed, it, I, allowed it, I allowed your eyes to be open. Now, is there a decision to be made? I don't understand all of the cosmic things. I don't. I recognize that, I recognize that God has given us a free will, 
Yes. And some people say, well, God made us do this. God has given us a free will, and maybe he has made some people. You know, he's the molder of the clay. I don't understand every, you know, I'm not smart enough to to take you down that road right now. I'm just not. But I recognize that he gave us a free will. Those that are listening, those that are in here, and hopefully somebody will listen to this one day and say, what is this crazy man talking about? And then say, and, and the Lord will use this to draw them closer to him so that the angels in heaven will rejoice, that we can plant seeds. But that's all I recognize is that we, we didn't contribute nothing to this. But once we fully recognize what God is giving us and what he is allowing us to do, eternal life, everlasting life, allowing us to walk on this earth where if we follow him, we can push those prideful moments out of our lives, that we can walk knowing that we are light and people are drawn to what it is. I, I think of several people right now that they were just, they weren't drawn to me. I was just trying. I didn't even think I was doing a good job. But just a little bit of hint of perfume, they were drawn to it. I didn't even know what I, I didn't know. That's how our, li- our lives should be like that more and more. The perfume should get a little bit stronger and more and more people should grow as we, as we delve into this. But we have to be deliberate. Now, I talked about earlier about this spiritual discipline. Yeah, we need it. But that's not the only thing we need. We also have to recognize that we didn't have anything to do with our salvation like that. God wants us to know our worth. He wants us to know that, that we ain't it, that he is. Concerning ourselves, don't think more highly of ourselves than we ought. We should think lowly of ourselves, really. I'm thinking of a man that I grew up in church with. If you saw this man, he drives a, a little old red Honda CRX, little bitty car, and it's old. When I saw him, I, my eyes kind of bugged out. I was like, oh, my goodness. He's been driving that car forever. I think they get about 40, 50 miles to the gallon, something like that. And I think his is a manual. This man owned thousands of acres of land, farms. He's hyper-intelligent. I'm not going to say his name. I don't want to put him in pride or anything. But he recognizes something. I think lowly of myself. The shirt that he have on, most of us probably wouldn't even wear it. I would wear it when I'm working. He don't think highly of himself. He thinks he's very humble. And not humble like walking around like this. He walks with his head up, holds his shoulders up. You know, he's not faking. He's not faking like he's humble. I'm humble. No, he's very sharp. Doesn't, can do a lot of things. But he knows his worth. He knows his worth ain't tied up in Gucci. He knows his worth ain't tied up in Mercedes. And if you got a Mercedes or Gucci, it's okay. I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about the fact that your worth is not tied up in it. If you got Mercedes or Gucci, you should be able to just get rid of it just like you get rid of everything else, even when it's nice, if you want to get rid of it. If you don't want to get rid of it, keep it. Keep your Gucci. Keep your whatever other brand name. That's about the only ones I know that come to mind. But keep your stuff. It's okay. But... We must know that our worth is not in things, that our worth is tied up in what God has done for us. We will realize that we know our worth when we know that we are nothing without the works of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I got one last thing that I want to talk about, and it's probably a little bit off um, when I talked about the heavenly and the earthly. Last week when we talked, uh, we talked about Joseph and uh, God, our rescuer. And we see the same kind of concept in Joseph, which to me is, is just striking. But again, it was about him knowing his value and his worth, which wasn't to be in charge of Egypt. We talked about you know, all the things that Joseph went through, uh, going in the pit and uh, coming out of there and going to Potiphar's house and then interpreting the dreams and then going into... Uh, going and becoming, interpreting Pharaoh's dreams and then interpreting uh, those dreams and becoming second in charge of all of Egypt and basically saving Egypt from the Pharaoh and all of the land and his family and everybody else. And we basically said that he knew 
that that wasn't the that wasn't the thing because apparently he had to have put pride down some way he knew where he what, what what his thinking was he knew that that wasn't it that, that's nice you know they still over in Egypt looking for gold digging up mummies and all kind of stuff trying to find worth and value in that Joseph was there he had all of it was in, under his control nobody greater other than the Pharaoh and I believe the Pharaoh probably knew he was greater because he interpreted his dream. But here's a man who considered what he did, saving his family, to be what God wanted him to do. Not all of the other heroic stuff that we think about and do. When we get to that point, when we know our worth like Joseph knew his worth and recognize that what Jesus has done for us, that his death on the cross, that there's nothing that ever was, that is or will be, will ever supersede that, then we truly will know our worth. David asked a question in 2 Samuel chapter 7 and 18, and it says, and you don't have to go there, it says, who am I, O Lord God? David, this is David, the mighty warrior, king, who was asking God, basically, what is my worth? What is my family? What is, you know, God, I want these blessings in my life. He's asking God to bless his lineage. He's discussing his value here with God. This is David. So if David was doing all of those things, this is the man that said that, uh, that God said, he's a man after my own heart. How much more pleasing are we to God and how much more our value to God if we're asking God that same thing, God, who am I? What is my worth? Questions that we all should ask ourselves. And as we do those things, we will see that many of our prayers that we pray, many of the things that we ask as we humble ourselves and recognize that, that there's nothing greater than humbling ourselves and being a slave for Christ, that we will see some breakthroughs. I believe we'll see breakthroughs in our life. It, it has to be because it's part of the promises that God gives us that if you draw nearer to him, he's going to draw near to you. So as we do those things and recognize that, we'll know our worth, we'll know our value, we'll know that we have to think in order to, to uh, and think and stay close to strong doctrine so that we're not pulled and shifted by winds and waves. We shouldn't think more highly of ourselves than we ought to. We have to avoid pride and all of its trappings. And then we'll know that our worth in viewing ourselves as God views us is not, only, is not only worthy here on earth, but also will be worthy in heaven when we meet God. Amen? Amen. I want to thank everybody for, again, being here, for those that are online that are uh, with us as well. Um, we will be back here next Sunday, uh, if I'm correct. Uh, next Sunday is Communion Sunday, if my clock, if I remember what I looked at on my calendar. And so uh, for those that um, can, come on out. Uh, that's always a good time where we bring strength, health, and long life in. And so at this time, we're going to get ready to dismiss.